ask you to anticipate something as we go through this. We're doing a, uh, if, no, if you have not been with us, we're going through a series teaching on the prophetic ministry. And as we go through the series, I want to ask you to anticipate something that you may not have anticipated when it comes to the prophetic ministry. A number of years ago, I began mentoring people in the prophetic in different small groups. And what I began to notice were individuals who were beginning to receive inner healing and emotional healing. And even two people found deliverance. Mm -hmm. And I began to go, what's going on? I didn't even, I wasn't focused on that. <laughs> How is that happening? But I want you to read with me, Revelation. First, I just want to give a, um, just a, a little intro before I read the verse. John had been seeing vision after vision. Here he had seen the wedding celebration of the Lamb. The bride had made herself ready. And he heard these voices that sounded like the roar of many waters. They were singing and shouting hallelujah. And he was overcome and he fell down on his knees. So Revelation 19, 10 says, Then I fell down at his feet, but he actually fell down at the feet of an angel. He worshipped him, but the angel, he said, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God. For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. So the angel was saying, Don't worship me. Worship God because all that you see, all that you hear is testifying of the one true Lord Jesus Christ. And I came to realize that because prophecy is giving a clear witness for Jesus, mm -hmm. when prophecy is released, the eye and the eyes of our heart become open. Yeah. And we begin to see who Jesus is, we begin to get changed. When the revelation of who Jesus is is released. And we see him for who he is and confronts the lies and the strongholds in our lives. And as we receive the truth, strongholds have to come tumbling down. It's the byproduct of seeing the Lord as he is. When we behold the glory of the Lord, we will be changed. We will be transformed. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23 to 26 if therefore the whole church comes together and all speaks in tongues and the outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy, prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. This verse about prophecy, it says that it will result in conviction and the secrets of our hearts being disclosed. But that doesn't mean that when we prophesy, we expose people's sins. That's not what prophecy is about. So how is it that people's hearts are disclosed? Hebrews 4 verse 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So when the Logos or the Rima word of God is read or it is spoken, it pierces us. It is the word, the living word, which is Jesus. The word came, became flesh, and dwelt among us. So the living word, it exposes the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. It divides our soul, our natural self, which is our mind, our will, and emotions from our 
our spirit, who we have become because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he uses the analogy of our soul and our spirit being like the marrow and the joint of a bone. The joint is the outer part of the bone. It's hard. The marrow is the inner part that's soft and tender. And so the word of the Lord cuts through the hardness of our hearts and it, and it speaks into the innermost part of us. If we've grown up with father wounds, we carry pain, we might carry judgments, and sometimes we transfer those same ideas, thoughts, and judgments onto our Heavenly Father. Sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. I can come to the Father with mindsets of that I'm actually abandoned. Is he really going to be there for me? I can come with thoughts of anger towards my own Father, which hinders intimacy and oneness with my Heavenly Father. But as you begin to behold the truth of your Heavenly Father, as you begin to behold that he's a shepherd who would chase after you, who would find you, even in the deepest, darkest of your sin, he's a father who would welcome you back. He's a father who would celebrate you like he celebrated the prodigal son. Yeah. And when you begin to behold, wow, that's my true father, the strongholds and the lies that you've grown up with, from your own experiences and your own perceptions or real events in your life with your own father, they're going to come crashing down. I had actually a few pages. We were, well, I won't get into all that, but I had a few pages that I took out of my notes last night, and it was all about father wounds. Because there's a part today where I feel like the Lord wants to break down the places where, where we struggle with intimacy. But then this morning, last night, I felt like he said, I actually don't want you to teach it. I want you to prophesy it. Wow. So instead of teaching it today, I want you to open your heart that wherever you have had father wounds, I believe the Lord is going to deliver you of it today. Mm. That he's going to bring back that place of intimacy, that place where you can trust the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. And so if that is you today, let's just spend a moment and pray. So, Father, I just thank you that you are a good, good Father. Mm -hmm. And that when we behold the truth of who you are, every lie is swallowed up by that truth. And so, Lord, I pray that today, supernaturally, that you will go back into time where my brothers and sisters have been abandoned, where their needs were not met. We declare their needs to be met today in the comfort of a Father. And the unconditional love of a father. And a father who says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, we release the glorious revelation of your father's heart. That you are extravagant in all that you do. Amen. So I want to invite you and welcome you to allow the prophetic revelation of Christ, the clear witness of Christ, 
to bring you into greater depth of life and wholeness today. Yeah. As a bride of Christ, allow him to make you ready. As I was preparing this week, we had a, in our original outline that Cliff and I made up, it was very loose. <laughs> <laughs> but we had an idea for today, and then I had another idea, and I couldn't decide, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know which way you want to go on Sunday. So on Wednesday night, I was tired and I just needed to go to bed. So I said, Lord, I don't have this figured out yet, but would you speak to me yeah. in the night? Thank you. Awesome. Fantastic. Would you tell me which way to go? Because I have no clue. And so that night I had a dream. I have, there's actually very rarely, maybe 10 times a year, I'll have a night where I don't remember a dream. Last night I actually dreamt, uh, when Martin, you talked about, I think it was you, talking about the waves. Last night I had a dream of walking on these massive swells of water. And it wasn't just me, there were other people doing it too, but I don't even, I don't know who they were. But it was just this massive swells. They were just walking on the water. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, so I had this dream. And it was scattered throughout different dreams, and it, all it was was actually hearing a voice asking a question. And the question was, who would you want to have represent you? If you were a king, if you were a queen, if you were a prime minister, if you were a president, or a CEO or a manager, who would you want to have represent you? How many of you have had experiences where someone has spoken on your behalf? They say what they think you would say, but in the end, they represent you and your opinion in a matter completely wrong. And you have to clean up the confusion. I had a time like that many years ago. And I don't even remember the situation. I don't even remember who it was who was speaking on my behalf. All I remember out of that situation was, I don't ever want, I don't ever want anyone to speak on my behalf again. That's how bad it was. That's the depression that I came away with. And so when this question was asked in my dream, I was like, ooh, I get this. I can relate to this. And so I began to question, ponder this question more when I was just laying there in bed in the morning. Who would I want to have represent me? And I thought I would want someone who understands my heart, understands my values, who has maturity and strength of character. I would want someone who knows how to listen well. I would want someone who can clearly articulate a message. And if it's of a sensitive matter, I would want someone who can communicate the unspoken nuances of my heart. Someone who has humility and knows that the role of representing is not a platform for their own use. And if I were a CEO, I would want someone who knows the procedures and the policies of the company. Someone who knows the manual. I would want someone who has been with me enough to know me. My husband and I have shared many a laughs because we know each other so well that we can tell what each other is thinking just by the micro expressions on each other's faces. We are the ambassadors of Christ. Second Corinthians 5 verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The definition of an ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank, sent by one sovereign or state to another as its resident representative. This verse hit me in a new 
away as I thought about my dream. I thought, whoa, what a role we have been given. It's actually unbelievable that God would want us to be his representatives, that he would actually want us to speak on his behalf. If I was the Governor General of Canada, who represents the Queen, I do not think I would be very apathetic in my role. I would want to know the Queen well. I would want to understand what it was that she wanted to have communicated so that I could be a good representative. And I don't think there's a single one of us that if we had that role that we would take it very lightly but that we would do it with all the diligence that we knew how. And I began to ask myself questions. How much have I been with the Father? How much do I really know him? Do I know him so intimately that I'm representing him well as his ambassador, as one that he makes his appeals through? Am I giving a clear witness of who he really is? Do I know the manual? Do I live abiding in his presence, empowered by his spirit? 2 Peter 1 verse 21, it says, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It is not my will that I'm representing. It is his will. And this is such a high calling that you and I have been given. After my dream, I was left with two very strong impressions. I had this deep sense of holy fear. Almost like this deeper recognition. That's probably a more accurate way of saying it. I had this deeper recognition that when I prophesy, I am representing the truth about who Almighty God is. Yeah. Do I know him enough to do that well? And then at the same time, I had the sense of peace because it is not within me that he has placed his trust to carry out the gift of prophecy. His trust rests in his spirit who he's put in me. Yeah. And his spirit will lead me into all truth and his spirit will guide me to declare the truth. We're fallible. We're going to make mistakes. We're not going to get it right. We do not see the full glory of who he is. We're still tainted by our worldly experiences. But he's big enough to handle when we get it wrong. In this knowledge, both of those realities, the fear the deeper recognition, but also the peace. It's like having both of those, somehow I could live in the balance of those, knowing that I'm not the source of accuracy. While at the same time, I can be actively engaged to know him more. So that as I seek to release his prophetic utterances, they're filled with more grace, more truth, and more purity. Intimacy with him is the very foundation from which the prophetic ministry can flow. In order for us, we all know this, in order for us to hear what he's saying, we have to be in intimate fellowship with him. And I heard this question over and over, who would you want to have represent you? It was as though, it was, sometimes the Lord will ask a question, but he's actually trying to get to something else. But it was interesting, it was almost like I felt the heart 
desire that his children know him well so they could represent him well. Making Christ known is the very essence of the prophetic ministry. And to make him known, we actually have to know who it is we're making known. I'm just going to transition a little bit into inner healing. I'm sure that all of you, like me, want to walk in maturity when it comes to the gift of prophecy. Or any revelatory gift, for that matter. In the spring, I had did a little bit of sharing with a pastor's group at a pastor's retreat. And I began to talk about how the fact titles, CEO, manager, boss, president, it does not equate emotional health. <laughs> emotional health doesn't come with the title. <laughs> I think we all know that. And character issues and emotional health are huge when it comes to flowing in the prophetic with purity. And I highly suggest if you are eager to grow in the prophetic, be just as eager to grow in your character and in your innermost being. The gifts and call of God are irrevocable. That is why you can have someone operating in a high level of gifting while living in sin at the same time. I was at a conference some time ago being prophesied over by the person who was up speaking only later to find out that that individual had actually been walking in an affair at the same time. It broke my heart. Mm -hmm. It broke my heart. Because we're here to represent Christ. Yeah. That's no light matter. I want to go through eight steps to help us to grow in holiness and purity in our character. Steps that I've learned along the way where the Lord has tested me. The first one I want to talk about is obedience. Where we receive correction. Do we say yes, Lord? Proverbs 10, verse 17. It says, whoever, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life. But whoever ignores correction leads others astray. And I've come to learn that obedience is so key. When it comes to hearing from the Lord, there was a time, a long time ago, that I was really frustrated. I was in a season of, it's like I couldn't hear the Lord at all. I was like, Lord, what's going on? And this isn't the only reason for a season of silence. But for me at that point, this was the reason. And out of the silence comes this voice that says, did you do the last thing I told you to do? And I went, hmm. No. Actually, I did not do the last thing you told me to do. And I had to come into this place of repentance that I did not obey. And as I did that, the flow of communication was restored. When the Father corrects us, or when he strongly guides us, do we come under his authority, or do we act like we're the own, our own boss? On the flip side, if someone gives me a word, but I know that that is someone who actually does not submit under authority. I carry that word very lightly. I do not put much weight in the word because character matters to me. And if it matters to me, it matters to God. Number two, purity. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it 
flows the springs of life. I've come to learn that the greater purity I'm walking in, the more I can actually hear his spirit, the more I can keep in tune with what he is doing. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Jeremiah 15, 19, Therefore thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, purity of our tongue, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. Purity is in all forms. Sexuality, what we hear, what we watch, what we speak. What do we allow into our hearts? Number three, love. Of course, love has to be the foundation from which any gift operates. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And I'm going to turn, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. We all know this passage. But it's so good to hear it again and again. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all, of I, all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Loving others will be a byproduct of us knowing God. If you struggle to love, 1 John 4, 8 says you do not love because you do not know God. If you struggle to love, seek to know him more. There was a time, I just want to, I'm going to give a few testimonies throughout this teaching. But there was a time um, in a relationship with another person, and let's just say it wasn't going well. So one day they came to my office and to, for us to have a conversation. And in the middle of trying to bring unity back, all of a sudden, something shifted. And somehow their heart changed towards me. And they had come in with hatred, and all of a sudden they said, can you pray for me about this issue? And I remember sitting there being quite stunned because there was such a shift from the previous conversation to now them wanting prayer for an area of their life. And I'm, I'm going, Lord, what is going on here? But the Lord was checking my spirit. And he said to me, you cannot pick and choose who you allow the gifts to flow through to. You don't get to choose if you pray healing for someone who has hurt you. I had to allow the gifts of the Spirit to flow to whoever he wanted them to flow through. And it was not my decision based upon how much I had had hurt from this person. He was testing me in my love. The next one, being trustworthy, keeping secrets. Proverbs 11, verse 13, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, 
But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. This is, I think this is probably the first thing when I was about 19, 20 years old. I remember the Lord taking me through seasons of testing. And for some reason, I don't know how I knew they were seasons of testing, but I knew they were seasons of testing. And this was the first one I remember him putting me through. And it was a season of, will you keep secrets? And in that season, I would be told things that were actually incredibly painful. Things even about the corporate church as a young 20-year-old. And he only gave those, allowed me to know those things to test me if I would keep them secrets. And if I would keep them only as matters of prayer. Or would I buckle under the weight of the weight of the word and feel like I had to share it? Would I buckle under the weight and say, oh, I have to just process this with you. I have a prayer request. No. Would I hold on to secrets? It's part of integrity. Number five, integrity. Do I live honestly? Proverbs 11 verse 3 says that the integrity of the upright guides them. We want to be people who live the same whether I'm at work, whether I'm at play, whether I'm at home. I don't want to be someone who out here, this is who you see, but at home you would go, who is that? Where I'd be completely unrecognizable. Integrity. Are we the same no matter where we are? How do I act when no one else is around or when it's just my family? Do I praise the Lord at church and go home and explode in rage at my spouse? I remember when our kids were little. My husband and I used to argue a lot more way back then. <laughs> we don't argue much now, but I remember you go to church on a Sunday morning in the minivan, all the kids loaded, and we're... And then you get out the door, oh, hello. <laughs> yes, we're all well. When moments before there was an explosion going on in the van. <laughs> Do I have hidden sins or hidden addictions? What I say to someone's face when I'm thinking about them in my head? Am I jealous of another's gifts or talents? Do I cheat on my income tax? We could go on and on. God will test us in our integrity and sometimes in ways that we think are ridiculously small. There was a time that I was the janitor at Cedar Grove Church for about five years. And I would homeschool the kids in the day and after they went to bed at 7.38, I would go into a five hour shift of janitoring. One time I counted how many toilets I had cleaned uh -huh. in those five years. I can't remember how many thousands of times I cleaned the toilet. Forget about that. Anyways, yeah, forget about that. <laughs> but there was one time I was coming out to go, we had a portable, which was where the nursery, preschool, or whatever, nursery was. And so I went out the door, and there's a piece of garbage on the ground. No one else is around. I walk by it. I'm walking by it, and I hear the voice of the Lord. Uh, did you see that garbage? <laughs> and I was in a cheeky state, and I said, yes, I saw the garbage. And I said, what do you want me to do? Clean up the garbage around the entire lot, which was five acres? <laughs> to which I heard, that's a good idea. <laughs> So needless to say, no. I went to the shed and got the garbage picker and a garbage bag. And I spent the next half hour cleaning up all the garbage around the church parking lot. And God didn't care that I was a tired mom 
who wouldn't get home till one or two in the morning before I had to homeschool the next day. He didn't care. He wanted integrity. You know, we can respond to those kind of situations joyfully or begrudgingly. And I actually enjoyed that time. It actually, it, I actually kind of it made me laugh <laughs> after the fact. Although the sun was shining, so I'm sure that helped. <laughs> but even our, our disposition when he says to do something, how do we do it? Then I want to talk about our pride and our insecurities. It's like the flip side of a coin. If we're insecure in who we are as a person, it will taint how we hear words and how we give words. We will be so focused on us that we won't even be thinking about God getting glory. Galatians 6 verse 3 says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If we're insecure in an area and we can't handle living in the vulnerability of that insecurity, that's when we have to be careful because the flip side of pride will be right there to protect us from feeling insecure. Pride is a cover-up for insecurity. See, we're not afraid to feel pride. Save space. But insecurities leave us feeling vulnerable, leave us feeling exposed, leave us feeling like we could possibly experience shame. And we all have places of insecurity as we grow, and as we become more like Christ. But pride will not be able to rear its ugly head if you rest in the knowledge that you are weak and he is strong. Where you can actually rest in the moment of vulnerability and not have to protect yourself with pride. When you know that you are actually unconditionally loved. You know, I keep getting, this is a side note, I, it just reminded me, I keep getting this thought in the last few months of a body of Christ who is so unconditionally loved that there is so much freedom. When you know that you are unconditionally loved, you can take risks. You don't have to protect yourself with pride because you know you're going to be loved anyways. It's so freeing. And I've been praying for this body that this is what we will be like here. Amen. That if somebody steps out to do something, they might not do it the greatest. I may not preach the greatest sermon, but I know that I am unconditionally loved by my brothers and sisters. That is the kind of community we are to create. Yes. Because people will flourish. People will actually go farther. They will succeed greater in the things that the Lord has for them. Because they are thriving within a community centered on love. I get really excited when I start. I get like visions of a community that is like that. And I think we are like that. But I see it like bigger than just our church. Number seven. I just wanted to talk about fear. Fear was something I struggled with like crazy. I had to get delivered from spirits of fear. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. See, fear is paralyzing. It stops us in our tracks. We're afraid of what others will think if we say something wrong. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of feeling shame. We're afraid of, was that really me, or was, or was that really God, or was that just me? You see, fear only thinks of me, whereas love 
thinks of you. I think, how much time do we have? I just have another story pop into my head. You're 1128. Okay. Um, I just had a story when I went to Nicaragua. I don't know if I've shared this here before, but I remember we were, we, we, were, we were sent out to do prophetic ministry and I was paired up with a pastor and so he was my interpreter and I saw a pile of guys in the back of a truck and I'm like, I think we have to go there. And he's like, no, 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 no. And he's trying to stop me and I, I just kept walking. And he comes along. And it turns out to be gang members, but we began to prophesy over them. They began to cry. And the power of the Lord came over them. But, and I didn't know at that point that they were gang members. But I had absolutely no fear. That same trip, there was men who had come, the same guys who had come, they were high on paint, we were told. They had their gun or their machetes, and they stood in a row right behind us as we had a service. And it was this open, seated area with just a tin roof over the cement pad. And I remember I just went over and I started walking back and forth right in front of them. And I was just praying. And then the guy, one of the guys from, who was local, he came and grabbed me and he says, do not go there. And we ended up being whisked away early. The police came in with their big guns and they got us all into a van and took us out. But I was like, Lord, because I had struggled with so much fear. And so I was processing these events going, Lord, why did I have absolutely no fear? What was going on? Because that would not have normally been me. But he said, you, you were operating out of love. All I wanted was for these men to know the Lord. I didn't care if they were standing there with machetes. I didn't care if my life was actually at stake. I wanted them to know Christ. And so all fear just dissipated. Perfect love casts out fear. If you have fear as you release the words, encouraging words of God over others, Focus on loving the person in front of you, and the fear will dissipate. The last one. Sometimes we just flat out reject the gift of prophecy. We despise it. Maybe we've been deeply hurt by it in the past. Maybe we just haven't eagerly desired it, like Paul talks about. When I first began even learning about the prophetic ministry, I flat out rejected it. I kept being told by one of our pastors, Ken Dick, that I had this gift of prophecy. And I do not know why, maybe it was the fear, I didn't want it. And we did a spiritual gifts test in class, in, in church, we did a few of them. And I manipulated the test so that it would not show that I had the gift of prophecy. <laughs> and I took it down to his office and I said, look, I don't have the gift of prophecy. I look back, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> but I flat out rejected it. And let me tell you, that kind of attitude will definitely stop the flow of the Spirit. Who would you want to have represent you? You can be the conduit to make Christ known. You know, our lives do give witness to Christ, whether good or bad. As a believer in Christ, my life speaks. Does it represent him well? As I was praying through my message last night, my heart was drawn 
towards those in our body who maybe have never even thought of walking in the prophetic ministry. But you know what I kept seeing? Were people who have been tried and tested and found to be true. I was seeing in my mind's eye people who carry wisdom, people who carry humility, people who are grounded in the word, spiritual fathers and mothers among us. And I pray that there will be a greater releasing, that all will be able to prophesy. That it will not just be a thing that gets turned on one moment, we're walking in prophecy, and the next minute we're not. No, but that our lives will actually be a lifestyle of revealing yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. in all that we do. That we will just be living prophets. I think my heart aches for the releasing that has been given. There are pillars of the faith here in our church. There was a time that for altar prayer, Robin had come forward for prayer. And so I prayed for him, and then he said, can I pray for you? This was in the summer. It was on a Sunday after I preached. I actually had bronchitis that day. I was struggling with fevers. I was exhausted. And he began to pray over me. He began to affirm the call of God's life on me, which I have struggled with over and over and over. There's probably not a month that goes by that I go, what am I doing preaching? And I doubt the call of God. And he began to affirm it. And all I could do was stand there as tears rolled down my face. Thank you. But you know, there are people in here you have wells of gold. And I pray that there will be a greater release of every mouth, of every tongue to yes. encourage each other. Because we need it. We need it. There are so many of you who have encouraged me along the way. I'm so grateful. Acts 2, verse 17 to 18. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy.